It all started last October in a sweaty studio in Yoronga and a few questions about what the hell we were getting ourselves into. But in spite of all of that, we have now made it to episode 50 of the Brisbane Football Review, so welcome one and all. It's James Scott and Adam here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. Before we get into the usual stuff, though, we should probably say, holy crap, I think everyone that bet the under just lost on that. <laughs> hey, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, unlucky to anyone who bet the under. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Adam? I'm good. Yeah, if you are fact-checking us on our podcast feed, by the way... We have uploaded more than 50 ep- uh, segments, but we're only counting the full episodes, not the uh, individual yep. interviews or Friday specials. So that'll answer that one question. And before we get into the regular stuff, I should probably mention the highlights so far. I'd like to lead off with when we got to record at uh, Lions FC back in July. That was fun. Oh, yeah, so I was actually, I, I thought about it all day today about, you know, what's the highlights of the first. 50 shows, and that was one that came to mind. Yeah. Um, There's another one. I, I got a bottom bite. Well, was it the time it took me six times, six goes to read an introduction? What <laughs> 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 was this time? <laughs> the one, actually, one thing is that I've, uh, we were actually 49 episodes and none of us have actually sworn on air, yeah. on air so that's an achievement. Yeah, that is actually quite a good job, yeah. especially considering some of the uh, frustrations we might have had over the some last of, year. Some and of the rants, mega yeah. rants that we've had, I like, yeah, to not drop a few expletives <laughs> is actually a marvellous achievement. A couple have got here. Um, when you blew up the old studio, James. <laughs> that's another one. <laughs> yeah, that's one. And also the look on your face when we got you those late wedding presents a couple of months oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the bird. Were two of the, the, the bird. two I wrote down today. Yeah, I think that was good. So, and also the look on Adam's face when I tried to get him to throw to the plug <laughs> when, when James was away. They're the three that I wrote that down. That was actually that was the highlight of a show, yeah. that. <laughs> I think that tape's been incinerated, though, hasn't it? No, it's still there. Oh, get rid of it, would you? I can't. It's, par- it's there for the record. I uh, should actually point out as well, I think, so you've been in all 50 episodes, Scott. I'm on 49. I think, Adam, you're about 43, yeah, 42? 43, I believe. Mm. And we've had a number of guests and whatnot across the last year or so that have done one or two appearances. So, yeah, thanks for all your contributions. And no, we're not folding just yet, although we're teetering on the edge. (laughs) It's getting there. (laughs) All right, the other reason that we're stalling is because... Well, there wasn't a whole lot of A-League to talk about this weekend, really, was there? We'll be back after the break. (laughs) (laughs) Nil-nil against the Wellington Phoenix down at Seabus Super Stadium at Rabina. Uh, Yeah, starting line-up. Brown and Franich in first, Skipetis and O'Toole. In, uh, what do you think of the decision, Scott? I was trying to think of something yeah. clever to say there, but I've got nothing. I, I, I think we all kind of thought Franich might start after his goal the week before, but the O'Toole one was odd. I don't think he'd done anything wrong. I think Corey Brown kind of looked a bit bit underdone in, in the game. I think he was caught out a couple of times tracking back, but that was a bit odd, but you can't argue with bringing your first choice left back in if you think he's ready. But Especially the guy who was... You know, club player of the year and whatnot last year. So was harsh on O'Toole. I thought he had a really three or four really good games. And yeah, I suppose it would be a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Adam? Yeah, no. Look, for mine, I was actually a bit shocked to see um, Ivan Franić on the in the starting eleven. I called it last week. I thought, you know, maybe you now a few more weeks as that super sub role. But obviously. John Elwes, he saw something in him that, you know, to actually, you know, start him. And, look, he came off after 65, 70 yeah. minutes, didn't really serve 
didn't do too much. So, so yeah, so it'll be interesting Not where it goes from in there. That, by the way. Huh? Wasn't alone in that, by the way. No. All right, so let's get this out of the way first. Sean Evans, he clearly has no idea how to control a game. Keep going, you've got a big rant on this, I'm sure of it. Uh, just no idea of flow or consistency, and he can't even commit to a decent haircut. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was consi- well, he's consistently maddening, isn't he? Yeah. It was re- some of his decisions were very confusing. And, you know, we have the rule on the show not to blame the refs for anything, but we still can say he was probably the worst person on the pitch, worst yeah. performing person on the pitch. And also, yeah. it's one of those frustrating things where you get, you know, 60 seconds into the game, see the first foul blown and go, oh God, it's him. Yeah, there weren't two ordinary teams on the field on, on Saturday, there were three. <laughs> Counting the referees in that as well. Yeah, the Lions have made a couple of questionable decisions as well. Absolutely, it was it was frustrating, but look, there were plenty of other factors that went into the end result of the game, well beyond the referees' incompetence. So, in the first half, Phoenix probably had a bet, better run of the game. Yeah, but most of the shots were from distance, though. Yeah, really. I mean, I don't think any side really created anything, and really until Macaroni's half chance from yeah. I think what the six-yard box, which yeah. I I swear that. Uh, strikers have one of those on their highlight reel. Like, no matter how long they play, they're always going to have one of those misses where they just go, I can't believe I just did that. Macaroni's just like, he's, look, he missed two really good chances on, on Saturday, and it kind of reminded me of Sergio Van Dyke early in his time at Laurel. He had a couple of chances like that, and you saw him with his hands on his head wondering what he's got to do, and hmm. he turned it around, and hopefully Macaroni will. But some of the, his missed chances, they, were, they yeah. weren't the best. Oh, it was... <laughs> Yeah, well, as you said, Sergio Van Dyke turned it around, and obviously Macaroni's just... I think once he starts finding the net in a couple of games back-to-back, then that's fine. And you do sort of want, with someone like Franny who's playing on the right wing, is he better set up to deliver the sorts of balls that Macaroni needs? You'd say so, but we didn't really see that on Saturday at all. There wasn't many... There was one good cross that came in from the right-hand side from actually came from Hingit early in the second half. True. When he had, had it right over the crossbar from two yards. That was his Marcinho impersonation. <laughs> or uh, Andy, one of the guys I sit with, had a, uh, one of those misses from on his knees with a header from three yards in front. He managed to send it over the bar. How? Is that? Is that... Oh, it was expertly <laughs> done. <laughs> the law of physics actually allow that. <laughs> yeah, Andy's quite tall. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. If you head it straight down into the ground with force, Adam, it's possible. <laughs> All right, so the Raw did have a penalty shout. It was... Double call from the Raw in the same phase of play. There was a push on Franich as he was trying to get back to the ball and then a slide in on D'Agostino. Would you have given either one to... Not, not for me. No? I didn't see much in it, to be honest. I think it would have been a soft penalty. There probably yeah. was more of a claim for Franich rather than the D'Agostino. One, yeah. Live, the D'Agostino one looked like a penalty, mm-hmm. but I've seen the replay a few times and that was a phenomenal tackle. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, the first half ended with um, not really an ideal ending there, was it? What happened at the end of the first half? Eric Bortiak got injured. Oh, the injury, yeah. Well, he actually... Good to see you were paying attention. I know, I was honestly thinking about what we were going to do at halftime at that point. Food. Yeah. No, <laughs> but he and D'Agostino made some really good runs off the ball. And that was... When Bortiak went off, that kind of disappeared. So that was... The, well, actually, the chance, first chance Macaroni had actually came from one of those runs. So just a matter of finding them more often. But yeah, with Bortiak out now, it's, it's tough. Because we saw how, I suppose, they struggled without him in the early weeks. 
And if he's out for a month, as he says on Instagram, that's that's a problem. Yeah, I'm sure the club are very happy with him <laughs> yeah, announcing sure his uh, injury layoffs. They might want to get into some different hashtags as well, by the way. <laughs> oh, no, I think that was quite funny. Yeah, I think that's a strike two as far as, you know, posting news on Instagram from Mr. Bortiak. So I think, I wonder if he's been given a talking to by the brass. Does he have to hand over the password at strike three? <laughs> I reckon so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, um... Yeah, so Matt Mackay moved to left wing and Mitch Oxborough came on to fill that centre midfield role. I was genuinely surprised by that yeah. change. I think we were all sitting there going, what was there? Now, this is what John Aloisi had to say. Well, because uh, I thought that we needed to get a bit of control in the game, um, the midfield and that. And, and Corey Gamero has been out for a long period as well, So who looked really sharp when he came on. But I thought it would have been a bit early to, to put him on. And, and I didn't really want to you know, have to put... Um, Peter Scapettis on the left because he hasn't played out there and that would have been difficult for him and different for him. And in pre-season, I worked a little bit with Matty in a little bit higher. So it was, that was more, you know, the reasoning behind it. And, and I thought that we are going to get our chances in the second half when I did make those changes. And we did. We got those chances and uh, just that we didn't uh, put one of them away. So you talked about trying to get uh, control back in the midfield there. So essentially playing three mids, but... I buy that, but you didn't play three mids because Mackay was always high and wide on the left. It well, was probably the, the the least logical option. I mean, out of Oxbow, um, who else was there? Gamero, Scapettis, and O'Toole. All, st- all four of those would have been better off. Well, except for all three of the others would have been better off as options. I mean, you could play Corey Brown further forward and move O'Toole back, for example. I mean, any of those options would have been better than... For me, the change... Because Mackay just doesn't have the pace to make those runs that we saw Borchak making. Excuse me. For me, the change would have been Matt Mackay... Keep him in the middle and yeah. push Joe Coletti up to the number 10 role where Nick D'Agostino was and move him out to the left wing. I'll just play a three in midfield with Mackay, Oxford, and Coletti. That would have given you the numbers yeah. that you were looking for. We didn't see that either. But I would have so. given Coletti the license yeah. to move forward. But that's just me. Yeah, I was going to say, I, just, I can't remember the last time that Matt Mackay was that far forward and that, that far wide. Um, I, I'm almost thinking Socceroos yeah. um, in Japan in 2013. Mm. Like it's, Asian Cup, maybe? Uh, yeah, I, look, I, I struggle, like, especially for the Raw, especially, I don't... You're going back to the Miron Blyberg, yeah, Frena days. So, it's, look, I agree with you, it's a, it was a very, very odd um, tactical sort of formation switch. Uh, and, and like I said, I think we've, we've covered you now three or four different I've point about Camaro, but surely Scapettis could play out on the left. Oh, yeah, I think he could. Have could. Gone with that. But I suppose if you are trying to ring control back in the midfield, as we've said in the past... Mitch Oxborough is a bit more of that yeah. controlling midfielder, whereas Mackay and Coletti are more the energizer bunnies. It didn't work either. That's the problem. It yeah. didn't it didn't create any more control in the midfield, which is kind of the problem. I think at the end of the day, good in theory, but in practice, it just didn't work. Yeah, and look, you can criticise them for that all you want, but yeah, I suppose that's as much down to the players as anything. All right, so early in the second half. We're wondering if there were going to be late changes again. This time they both came on the hour and a formation change. Well, oh, defensively there was. I'd say all up there you was. A, yep, definitely. For me, it looked like they were essentially going to some sort of four-four-two yeah. or four-two-four. It was definitely a four-four-two defensively with Scapettis and D'Agostino really tucking in on the the wide areas. But going forward, it's probably more a bit. Well, maybe, but because Macaroni was dropping in a lot more, a lot deeper as well. But he and Gramira were essentially starting yeah. as out-and-out strikers. Maybe. I thought Macaroni kind of dropped into that number 10 role. Yeah. I don't know. It could have just been yeah. the way that they were lining up. But yeah. for me, like that 4-4-2 is something that I would love to see them try and use again. Have some have 
someone like Romero with that pace to run off yeah. uh, Macaroni. Before yeah. Dagestino got hacked down and he struggled out on the left to finish the game, he and Gamero combined really well yep. as well. So that's a combination I'd like to see more of. Yep, definitely. Um, there was a bit of a flashpoint with uh, Skipetis and Doyle. Slater was going on in commentary, as I found out later <laughs> on, that it was a deliberate stomp by Skipetis. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> if you are going to stomp, you do it a lot harder than just in a general stride, surely. I don't know what he's. I don't know where he's going. Maybe maybe someone got into Robbie Slay's ear and said, "Oh, I'll try and dramatise something," because it was <laughs> it wasn't. It was biting people nodding off before the derby. He has been a little bit on edge the last month, mm. hasn't the only, he? The only thing I will say in Slater's defence is we have seen that situation with red cards previously, both the stamp stomp, or if you want to call it, from Scapettis, but and also the reaction ha- from Doyle. We've seen we've seen red cards for that sort of stuff before, so I think they're both kind of lucky. But but I, I agree with you. I don't think there was much in it. I There's think it was honestly just... Seen it given before. For me, it honestly just looked like Skipetis was sort of staring off and started walking in a direction and Doyle's foot happened to be there. If he did stamp on him, he hit it quite, quite well. Yeah, exactly. My uh, phone Scott's... goes off. That's the first in 50 episodes. Yay! <laughs> That's not... Well, the first for you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. It was... Kept pushing for Miro had the chance to win the game, but was denied, I think, quite well by the Phoenix keeper yeah. that wasn't the kid. No. No, it was Italiano. The older Italiano, yeah. Ah, there we go. Mm. Uh, overall, it just seems like they're still struggling to generate the pace that they need to really mm. play their way. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a stability issue. That I, uh, The same for up front. I don't think if uh, maybe one game a season have, have been the yeah. same for injuries for, you know, for whatever reason. I just think they're struggling for consistency. Yeah. Actually having four guys... Be able to to meld together yeah. and actually work. Yeah, I think that's I think that's starting to be you know the, the big the big problem. They haven't worked it out, have they? No, like I said, every every time you, yeah you think you have Holman back, you know Mac Macaroni up forward, yeah. you know something happens, Holman's injured. You know yeah. you've had Ben Calfella come along, you know he's been injured there for now. Scapetis comes in, Gamiro's now in the. It's just it just seems to be a big you know mess at my mm-hmm. actually getting four guys to play with each other consistently in that in that front four like the. the even if the when I say front four, it's the two wingers, the, yeah. the number nine and the number ten. And we saw that even last year, where that front three of Broich, um, McLaren, McLaren, and Borello yeah. actually had that understanding. Yeah. And even going back to 2015, where once they got on the same page, they were firing. Yeah. Mm. And when they tried to drop Holman in there after his injury layoff, he took a little bit of time to adjust too. Yeah, I think I think that, that might be if you like that's not going. Now, excuse all the problems, but I think a lot of the issues at the moment with the Raw being so, you know, just so stop-start and yeah. just lacking cohesion is because just a lack of stability in actually who plays every week. Yeah, uh, I think you're spot on with that. All right, so overall, we'll talk about the decision to have the game at Seabus. 5-3 in the crowd, lots of criticism about the numbers, but we should also point out that it was a really nice Saturday at least until about 3pm. <laughs> then, um, and there was a big traffic jam on the M1, so I would be willing to bet that a few hundred people probably would have gotten to that point and said, nuts, stuff at TV. And also, yeah, the gigantic storm that yeah. was forecast and happened. Worth the trip down, Scott? Oh, it was highly entertaining. <laughs> it was a great entertaining game. Well, no, it was worth going down, but... I think it's one of those things where the circumstances here dictated they had to move a game, and I think this is the if you have to move a game, this is the way you do it to the Gold Coast, and you 
do it that way, but because you wrote down the run, where else could it have been? I mean, yeah. if you're looking in southeast Queensland, it's either Cusack or Ballymore. Ballymore's not an option, apparently. It's no? Not an option. So it's either, either Cusack or Dolphin Stadium. Or you oh, go to Cairns like Adam did two years ago. AJ Kelly game, Park? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great yeah. idea. As long as look, you get look, onto the balcony. Do- yeah, Dolphin, <laughs> Dol- Dolphin mm. Stadium. Yeah, it actually wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, if, if it's anything like it was yeah. um, like the FFA Cup game, like, but that, yeah. that's one option. But look, at the end of the day... It's not like this was a last minute thing. People have no. known for months and months. Yeah, this, not not according came. to Facebook, though. Oh, well, yeah. Unless they get a personal invitation, you know, one of that, those uh, event uh, market thingies. Yeah, I don't think one of those. Like I said, they've known about for months. This thing, it's a lot of it is a personal decision whether you want to go. Not. Look, I, I can't tell. I didn't go, but that's because of, you know, family commitments, not because of, you know, any boycott or any, you know, it will to the you club. You were boycotting. Huh? You were boycotting. <laughs> Is that because of your last trip to Surfers Paradise and the ban from the city limits? But yeah, look, that's the thing is that, but also with that said, if that storm hadn't come along, the frosty it did, you know, that, that would have completely wiped out any walk, walk up sales, mm. which is, you know, it sometimes could be worth, you know, a thousand to two thousand at, at times. Because so. I think we were talking like, through uh, Facebook about what two forty five three o'clock, just going. Oh God, look at the radar. Yeah, and because I was driving th- down, you could see the clouds coming. It's like, oh, please let that not be at Rabina. All, all I was thinking was, if it hits, can it either be done by about four o'clock or start at four forty? Yeah. And there was a lot of lightning in the area, so I did actually have that question of, I wonder if I wondered if there was going to be any sort of suspension of play. Any any nerds like myself they actually, you know, watch the radar. You know, hey, you know, we're not one. nerds. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, By the way, Star Wars tomorrow. Would have, would have seen that this this storm was building from about you know midday one o'clock, and that, and that could have been you know that it's the worst possible time because people have said looking at saying, oh if that builds, I'm, oh, I might not go, especially if you're living up here. You said, oh no, bugger it, I'm gonna watch on TV, and that that has. But look, I wouldn't have expected more than you know seven or eight yeah. anyway. I think five thousand was it five thousand three hundred. It's roughly. What they got for the Champions League game yeah. down there. Which and is, about what you can expect yeah. as well, considering their Brisbane crowds at the moment are ten to 11,000. Yeah. All right, so I think that's about everything we needed to cover on that game. I am genuinely surprised we got so much out of it, wow. but it's what we do. We'll got be more back. out of it than the game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to episode 50 of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here for the DFS Fan Network. We're going to look at some of the other results from the weekend and start off with the A-League. Friday night, Adelaide 2-1 over victory at Etihad. Adelaide finished with nine men and still held on for the win. It's a monumental win for Adelaide. It's the first one win Eddie had since 2007. It's huge, and it's a big justification for Marco Kurz and his fate in youth. With um, Ipul is a great penalty save. Ryan's trained it right back. Milayuznic excellent, and of course Blackwood with his first goal. It's brilliant for him. But most importantly, Paul Izzo, what yeah, a yeah. game. Unbelievable. He nearly messed it up right at the end, but... Yeah, well, all the good goalkeepers nearly <laughs> yeah. mess it up. Adam? Oh, look, um, I thought uh, Mike Milligan's goal was pretty good. That brought him back into it. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a big win. And those are some of the um, some of the, sort of the, the memories that, you know, that they've had Adelaide at 
at Eddie had over the years. It's you just, mean yeah. like losing a grand final 6 0? Yeah. And losing a preliminary final, a semi final there 4 0. Yeah, so not good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, victory. Boy, they're in trouble. And yeah. I was, I think the calls about Kevin Musket. Pardon? Do you know how long Milligan is out for? Uh, hamstring, wasn't it? So yeah. probably at least three to four weeks based on Eric Bortiak. That's, yeah. That's trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, most most yeah, most importantly for yeah. victory, but they're in trouble. Yeah, Musket you were talking about. Yeah, oh, the calls are starting to get louder and louder that Kevin Musket yeah. should get sacked and the calls are getting louder and louder that he should also become the Socceroos coach. Mm. Go figure. It's very predictable, mate. With but just, but just on the um, on the two red cards, Adlung's was probably you know like the, his second yellow. That was probably you know overreaching. I think that as far as it was, it was a clear yellow. He should have said, but I thought yeah, that was that. But Garuccio's one that was just that crazy. That that was just stupid. I, it was. I do wonder if he'd been warned about the juggling because apparently uh, there was saying he'd been doing it at the last few uh, throw-ins. Oh, he's been taken. warned about it. And he, yeah. Yeah. Continues that's his own fault. But with Victory, they're so predictable at the moment. There's nothing new about them compared to years previous. And what I think really sums up their issues at the moment, 10 minutes to go, you're down a goal. You Lee Broxham. Lee Broxham on for Stefan Negro, and you leave King Kenny on the bench. That's ridiculous. Mm. And surely Kenny's had time to settle in. Even if he hasn't, just 10 minutes, throw him on. What's the, what, what's the worst he's going to do? He could cause chaos. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Sydney Derby, straight after the Royal Wellington game. Holy... Yeah, what Five happened? nil. What happened? I was driving home. Um, I, I did look <laughs> Adam, we're looking at you. Yes. Yeah. Look, and um, Adrian Majerski, he, I think he took the king. He's probably now uh, the the hype is probably real, but him being probably the best player in the league because he was immense. What, Milos Nikovic just shed a big tear yeah. right there. No. What's going on with Gombau's selections? Apparently, he went crazy. Um, he he played Risden up up front in the front third. Um. <laughs> I'm, just okay. trying, I'm trying to remember. There, yep. just, there were some. I looked at very justified, um, some very weird selections. I think it was out of just. I think just out of desperation yeah. to try and perhaps throw Sydney off their off their plans and whatnot. But geez, it didn't matter because yeah. Sydney were just there. Yeah, I read big. something during, earlier in the week saying it's they're the players who've responded best to his new training mm. and tactics, all the rest of it. With so, Sydney FC, it's well, just we quickly. Put, yeah. Here's the lineup: so Janjetovic, Hamill, Cornthwaite, Aspera, and Clisby. Bonavazia, Kieran, and another K backers. Kevin and Keanu. Keanu. Yeah. Why did I say Kevin? And then Josh Risden, Lachlan Scott, and Cejudo up front. Yeah, because there was, I know there was talk, talking that my yeah. fancy team suffered for it because of. Uh, I thought Brendan Sandlab was going to start. I think a lot of people expect that, but you, to play Lachlan Scott. You need more former raw players in your team. Yeah, I know. But um, yeah, so there was just some, some weird selections. But yeah, look, it's scary that, you know, and I don't know if it's a bit of sort of posture out saying that now they can be even better Sydney if they think yeah. even better geez. well it's it, like so we almost can could we, declare can we now. put this notion to bed that they're not better than they were last year they got one point more than they have last year and they've hit hit West Sydney for five they got hit beat raw with three goals right and look they've already got a trophy as well Mr. Optimism here. They've got a trophy in the bag already oh. as well. I mean, oh, yeah. they're not worse than they were last year. They're as good, if not better. And they're well, going like, to be, like, be damn hard to stop. We That's said in the, the previous show, uh, like I said, on paper, they they are, like I said, they're absolutely right now. Horse go out, Majerski in. That is, that's a huge upgrade. So it shouldn't come to answer. They are, they are beatable, yeah. but they're just hmm. they're not weaker than they were last year. They're still a very strong team. I think the question I had about them was, um, you know, how would they go at the back 
and it seems like they're at least finding ways to concede less goals yeah. than what they need mm. than what they score. Which, so, is, which is scary because their, their record, defensive record last year was pretty decent. All right, so we'll just uh, run through the other two games very, very quickly. Newcastle 2-1 in Perth, shockingly in Perth. Um, Sounds uh, like, a, like a trademark Brisbane Raw late comeback from yeah, Ernie, Merrick, here. Ernie Merrick wins quote of the week for saying his side got away with a blatant theft there, but <laughs> yeah, you got to love That's that. That's a huge win for Newcastle though in the context of their season. That's the sort of game that they needed to win. And it's one you would have expected them to lose as well. And then finally, Melbourne City uh, 1-0 over Central Coast Mariners. Ross McCormack got his first open play goal in the A-League and youngster Nathaniel Atkinson yeah. made his debut and actually looked like he might have known what he was doing. It sounded like he had a really good game, which is really impressive, but the other thing about the youth is spare me this notion of these all of a sudden started playing youth because Crowley came on for two minutes at the end. I mean, him, Tonyuk and Arzani are unused subs, essentially. It's good that Atkinson got a game, but... Other than what, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been good to see yeah. more young players. Also, apparently Luke Bratton had a really good game as well. He did. Which is good. I was watching this, and it was... Okay. He was yeah. definitely looking like he, you know, was at the peak of his powers. W League, Newcastle 3, Brisbane 0. I was at work for this, but that was uh, less than ideal. It was, but it could have been 4 four or 5 for the Raw. They've created some unbelievable chances in this game. I mean, Katrina Gorey had a great chance. Uh, Emily Gionic had a good chance. Tamika Bart, Hayley Razzo, all of them had great chances. Just wouldn't go in. For whatever reason, just would not go in on the day. We, we, we were at AJ Kelly on Sunday covering this game, and we, we, we looked at half-time and said, how can you be 3-0 down, but had... You know, had chances. Look, the, the answer to the question is Newcastle clinical. Mm. You know, Aaron Gillian's you know got a hat trick in 39 minutes. You know, the first goal was you know it was a brilliant strike from a long way out, which after after a mistake in transition, yeah, a bit of a defensive mix up. Yep. Um, and I've got, I can't remember the second goal. I think that was pretty standard. But the third goal yeah. was set up by um, Emily Van Egmond. You know, a brilliant pass that basically opened up the whole field. So. And Van Egmond had a brilliant game mm. in midfield. Really good game. It was a high, it was a high quality game. I think you know you look at that three 0 result, but you got to say, look, we're all very yeah. unlucky not to at least close, close yeah. the um the margin. They on kept that. pushing all game. I mean, even in a ninety second minute, they had a run of corners and they were still like pushing forward, got positive, keeping, keep yeah. looking for a goal. It was it was encouraging because on another day they'd win this game four or five nil. Yeah, with Just the chances like- they created. Because Emily Gilnick in her first start was absolutely brilliant, creating chances for herself and for others down the left. Just one really of those impressive. days then. Yeah. Yeah, the keeper Britt Eckerstrom also is very, very yeah. good for Newcastle. She looks like she's she's a pretty decent pickup mm-hmm. for a side that you know we always thought as well that you now are going to be sort of in contention. So I think the W League just in general, I think it's it's such an open yeah. open competition. I think it's the best ever. I think let's say after seven rounds. And it's been a nice progression over the last couple of years yeah. where Melbourne City just walked to the title two years ago. Then mm. there was a group of about yeah. three or four last year. And now it seems like it's up for anyone. Yeah, I think it's the complete six or seven. to the A-League. Yeah. Where it's like one or two teams running away with it and a whole bunch of mediocre teams. This is... Anything from about six teams could win the yeah. W-League this season. Fair enough. All right. Uh, other scores. Victory 4-0 over Adelaide. Sydney 3-1 against Wanderers. So not a great weekend in derbies <laughs> yeah. there. And City 2-1 over Canberra. Next weekend, Sydney against Canberra. Adelaide against West Sydney. And Newcastle against Perth. The Sydney-Canberra game's going to be... It's going yeah. to be pretty decent, that one. So is the game James is about to throw to, actually. Brisbane Ooh. Raw versus Melbourne City, Sunday 3.30pm at Suncorp Stadium. It's part of another doubleheader. Uh, you can join the Raw Corps in 3.39, yes. which is where they'll be doing the active support yeah. thing. And the Raw have never beaten City in five previous meetings, so 
get your optimism going. Yep. I've never played at Suncorp either, though. Well, that's going to be the difference. Yep. That's what I'm banking on. Um, predictions? Oh, it's really interesting because the Raw have been good this season for the most part. There's really only... When they, when they lose, they lose badly. So I think it'll either be a close game with a win or or a bit of a big defeat. I'll go for a 1-0 win at home. I think they can beat Melbourne City. I think I'm going to go 2 all draw. Now, in the comment I said to the other day, I think the Raw, should, the Raw women should actually just play away yeah. for the rest of the season because their road form is spectacular. Their home form, not so much. Well, that, could, that could come in handy for the finals as well if they're mm. playing away. I'm going to go 3-2. But I'm actually going to go for the Raw, because it seems like there's going to be a lot of goals in this game, just with the attacking. Back as well. There is a yeah. lot of firepower on both sides, mm. so the, the, whatever the over is, I'd take it. Mm. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, young Raw were on a bye in the Youth League, uh, while well, City yeah. beat Perth 2-1, victory 1-0. Perth played that game 1-0, by the way, for a long time before two late goals, so thanks very much, Perth. Oh, I'm not bitter. So at all. basically, what you're saying is Perth's youth league side mimicked their A league team. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> and then Conference B: Wanderers five three over Newcastle and Central Coast six three over Canberra. The Were all the new... goalies sick or injured this week? I'm not sure what's what going on. What goals in the New South Wales division? Yeah, there we go. All right, so next week's fixtures: Perth and Melbourne victory. Uh, City are on a bye. Conference B: Canberra and Western Sydney Wanderers. Central Coast and Sydney C. So Wanderers on a bye. Both conference leaders are on a bye, so it's a chance for others to catch up. And most importantly, Brisbane Raw versus Adelaide United, Saturday, 10.30am at Lanham Park, Grange Thistle. That's good. I thought it was 10am, not 10.30, yeah. so it means I've got an extra half hour to get there. Two versus three in the standings. Must win game for the young Raw. So, yeah. yeah. It'll also be interesting to see who plays in this game for the Raw, because I think, obviously, if players play, they're not playing on the, on the Sunday, so it'll be very interesting to see who plays. I think it'll be a, a genuine new team. I don't expect any first-team players. No. To play on Saturday, and it is a huge game for the Raw to win this game start to make two, up ground. Two, ground two big games, City. which will decide their their fate. Because we've got we've got Adelaide this Saturday at Lamb yeah. Park, and then Friday, well Friday, a couple of weeks time against Melbourne City. Yeah. That's the conference decider. Because yeah. this is the halfway mark of the season. It's only just started, but this is this weekend is halfway. It's a short it's yeah. a short season. All right, that's going to be it for segment two of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review for the DFS Fan Network. James, Scott and Adam, and we're going to get into the news. We're going to start off with... Let me just get that up on the iPad. So the Women's Asian Cup draw. The Matildas got the group of death. Big difference, though, from the Socceroos is that they're just that good that they're the reason it's the group yeah, of death. Yeah, they right? are the reason it's the group of death. But I, was, I, was just, I was just looking at it because I, I think... I like a lot of people are thinking how how does that work out? How the draw come out that way? Just Who did they get in their draw? They got Japan, uh, South Korea, and Vietnam. Vietnam. Easy. So, <laughs> but besides the fact that I think that you know that the Matils are going so well at the moment that you know I think they beat me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the reason why it turned out that way because if we can do the like, unlike the World Cup where the FIFA rankings dictates the seedings or whatnot. The uh, the pots were actually decided on the performances from the 2014 Women's Asian Cup, where Japan are actually the defending champions. Uh. So they and Jordan are in pot one, China and Australia pot two, and then so forth. So, so yeah. So I think we got a little bit dudded by that, but that's it is what it is. But look, I yeah. think it doesn't matter. The thing I think is, like South Korea, people look at think they're, a, they're they are a strong nation, but they're not as strong as their men's national team. Mm. 
in the women's game. And Vietnam is improving, but it, we expect them to win that game comfortably. The thing is, you've got to play Japan twice in this tournament now to win, basically. Because you're all going to play and they'll, they'll progress to the, to the semi-finals. They'll win those games and they'll meet, play off in the final for a second time. That that does make it slightly more tricky. Play them twice. The mind mind you, China on the crossover might be a little. Even Depends we, who gets China on the crossover. Ah, uh, well, if they if they win their group and we and say for example we finish second, mm. then obviously that's where it is. But if we if we win the group somehow, then you know, I think we might be okay. But I think the point is, I think China will be better than what they showed yeah. us in those friendlies you know, a couple of weeks ago. And if you are interested in uh, checking out the Matildas at the AFC Women's Asian Cup, it is in Jordan from the 6th to the 20th of April 2018. And all games live on Fox Sports. Thank God. Very confused on the women's game. The, they cleaned up at the awards last night. Sam Kerr won the Australian the Oz Sport Player of the Year, Alan Stadgett Coach of the Year, and David Matilda's were Team of the Year. And damn right, who else yeah, would it have yeah. been? Exactly. All right, so we should also mention the seriously bad viewership <laughs> on 1H... Oh, not even 1HD anymore. Both of them. On, for the Derby, 55,000 compared to 650,000 for the Women's Big Bash League. Fox added another 81,000 to the viewership, but even then, 136,000. It's, um... Who, who actually... Well, I'll put it this way. Who would have thought, yeah, even a year ago, that, you know, women's sport in general would be, you know, would not only just, just be pipping, but, I mean, this is a big margin on viewership. What was the crowd at the A-League as well, by the way? 36,000. Oh, jeez. Now, yeah. I... <sighs> Yeah, not to say someone should be fired, but whoever's marketed the A-League this season needs a firm kick in the butt. The and probably a, a new role. It's never been in better shape, though, James. Yeah, right. The game. Never been, that's, never been that's, better. That's what the... Uh, yes, and I'm six yeah. foot seven. Just because yeah. I say it doesn't mean it's true. But, yeah, look, it's serious, serious concern, I think. Um, like, it's, like I said, it's, it's one thing, because I, I did hear one sort of, you know, de- defiant don't way of trying to defend it and say, oh, but there was only 2,000 people at the uh, women's game. Who cares? But that doesn't matter. The, the, the main <laughs> okay, that's still, yeah, what, 652,000. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, it's TV money, TV viewership and TV money is the most important thing right now. And, you know, quite frankly... Now, it, if it's, they had it's it a, a heavy, bigger venue, they would have got a bigger crowd as well. So that's yeah. the other thing. It's a heavy, heavy defeat for football and the A League in general at the moment against the women's big bash. And as we're talking off air, what happens when the the men's big bash is on? It's gonna be it's gonna be a disaster. But really. well, hang on. On that point though, the big bash always outrates the A League. That's not exactly breaking news. So it shouldn't be a big surprise when that does no, happen. It's a question of by how far. True. Are we gonna be? Are we gonna be a million? Million viewers, yeah, watching the Big Bash versus a hundred thousand watching. That. But a hundred thousand yeah. is actually pretty steady. Yeah. For, well, will it like, be a hundred thousand yeah. though? Because the, the, how mm. many games have got a hundred thousand viewership this season? That I, I should have looked yeah. up. I'm not but, sure it's all that many. I nah, suppose if you count nah. up the Fox and the One H One, it might be there, but still. Yeah. Either way, mm. and look, not to begrudge Sydney's success, but does their style of play have anything to do with it? Let's face it, they're not the most entertaining mm. team. It's not like, I don't know, goals, maybe though. the Ange Postacoglu raw sides that were just so awesome to watch. They still score a lot of goals, though. Shut up. You're not helping me prove my <laughs> no, point. No, no I'll, the raw would still beat them comfortably. There you go. How's that? <laughs> That's better. All right, so the big story, one of the big stories we wanted to get to was this coaches survey done by Dave Davudovic and Matt Winley. It's part, I think it's part of the A-League confidential thing they did it. Yep. Start league, yeah. And yeah, so the coaches were surveyed in pre-season before Tony Popovich left for Turkey. And yeah, they were gauged on their opinions on some of these things. So the big one was 
the FFA Cup winner should get an ACL spot. Uh, six out of ten were in favour of that. The biggest thing you took from the no, that was the first thing I took for okay. it, and just you know, the journalism degree says whatever's at the top is the biggest thing. Okay, but anyway, so the first thing I took from that FFA Cup winner gets an AC should get an ACL spot. Six of ten of the are in favour. It was Aloisi Popovich, Ocon, Kurz, Arnold, Low, and Joyce. That's seven. I can't count. Okay, and most say the draw needs altering too to something involving an open slather. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this might be your biggest thing here. All agree expansion needs to happen for the 2019-2020 season. Yeah. No, What's wrong with that? I don't think that there's a, a football fan that actually has a clue would actually be against that. No. So it's where, I think it's when, not if. Like The timing might be debatable, but it's, it's yeah. got to happen. It's where and how many at once. Mm. Do you do four at once or do you stagger it with two and two? Yeah. But this has to happen. I, I honestly... Oh, st- did any of them disagree with that idea? No, it was I unanimous. Was say five yeah. say, well, five of them say two new teams. Yep. Three, Arnold, Musket and Lowe, say four more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warren Joyce didn't say how many, and the Wellington coach says 16 to 18 teams should be the goal. Maybe when they get 16 to 18, I might think that Wellington deserves a spot. <laughs> That's what he's going for. But look, 14 to me makes sense, and then once you get to 14, you have a second division. That's what I would do, yeah. but anyway. You go 14, and then yeah. you yeah. like teams 15 on are the second division. Yeah. But uh, what I kind of figure is this is also a challenge that needs to be done for the A-League going on from that mm-hmm. story we talked about before do they want to be an in-ground product or a TV product yeah because you look at like the Premier League that's driven by TV right mm-hmm. whereas well, they move games big games till like 10am kickoffs in the UK to suit the Far East just quick I actually so that's, re- a, that's midday your point TV product yeah well actually I read an interesting story from um by uh, Henry Winter at BBC um, regarding uh, the, how the Premier League and the Knicks mm. pay rights are actually going to put on more Saturday night games, which is going to be, which apparently is going to cause a bit of issues as, you know, for fans trying mm. to travel from, say, north to south because the trains only run till 10.30 or something like that. So I think even the Premier it's League... It's called a hotel. Yeah, have you ever been to, have you ever been to London? <laughs> no, I've not been to London. <laughs> no, I'd like to go to London. Yeah, no, that's a, that's why I'm, that's why I'm issues like the the costs and whatnot. And and but the point the point being is that it seems that the Premier League is beholden to the TV rights as mm. it should be, considering it pay billions of dollars. So I think I think in general I think unfortunately as much as the, the in ground experience may suffer for it, what drives Modern yeah. football at the moment. So what you're saying is, is TV they can money. expect more Sunday seven o'clock kickoffs, more, sa- more Thursday night seven thirty. Unfortunately, yes, TV. and yeah. unfortunately, as much as I hate to say, the fans need to learn to live with it because mm. at the end of the day, without TV money, there is nothing. Yeah. Well, okay, let's just go on from that and talk about the kickoff times. What would you change them to? Because uh, the, like the one thing that they've done under this current broadcast agreement that I really like is they've at least had steady kickoff times. It's always been four thirty-five, six fifty uh, on a Saturday. It's been six. But this fi- is, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But this is where expansion plays a role because, and this is where you got to start thinking. Okay, is it for the sake of expansion? Do you need a second Perth team because it opens up a second time slot? Where, this is where now, your favourite team, Wellington, also has yeah, or Wellington. This is this is this is the you know look. Yeah, that's, 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 and that's one of the considerations if you're thinking from the spectrum of TV rights. And I know the NRL yeah. is, is, is thinking about that, about having the Perth yeah. team over there. It's not because, oh, it's a great, it's a great franchise. Or not. It's because that second time yeah. slot, the that other, third time slot. The other thing is, do we just start playing games side by side? I did it once before when the 
Raw had to have their game moved back when they were both them and the Mariners were chasing the Premier's plate. And they played side by side. Look, the I, Mariners played at home and the Raw played in Newcastle. It was yeah. the year when the Raw went back to back. Yep. Okay. No, they no, moved I remember it that. It was a Champions League game. And it actually was, it rated quite well and they played it, played both games off each other. Yeah. It might actually be something you could consider if you're adding more games. Anyway. Well, yeah. my, po- my point, I suppose, is you know what? Sometimes you might just have to rush to get to a game or sometimes you might have to get to a game or you might be a little bit later than you might yeah. want to be getting home because... Look, there's no golden kickoff time because of the fact that Australia is a freaking big country. Saturday six thirty is the golden kickoff time, so everyone can have it. Well, seven seven thirty, it's something in the undoubted yeah. saving well, time, yeah. Yeah, which is right. actually seven fifty down yeah. south. And there, believe it or not, there are still probably complaints out there on the internet saying, "Oh no, that doesn't suit me because." Yeah, we could argue about this all day. Well, I reckon. Well, mm. well actually, not. Well, with that, you do see families saying 7.50 is far too late. You get that with the NRL too, yeah. where they say, well, the game finishes at 9.45. That means I don't get home until after 10 o'clock and all my kids are tired. Look, I, I, would, I wouldn't be against, you know, like in England, you know, a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff. They've like, tried that though, didn't that work. Do, yeah, that's I'm not problem. against it, yeah. but... It, it doesn't work for Australia though, because yeah. consider... What, what's the weather? on Saturday, so, yeah, it could yeah. be 35 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Oh. The other thing is they're also broadcasting more W League, which they, take, which they also need to find broadcast time slots for as well. Yeah. So that's it's a big, it's an interesting conundrum they've got. But either way, back to my original point of what I feel like more teams would generate more excitement and hopefully get more fans to the actual games, yeah. which then in turn improves the TV product. Because for me, football's biggest... Yeah. Marketing point is the fact that it actually has the best in-stadium atmosphere out of yeah. all the football codes. And this is not a Code mm-hmm. Wars thing. It's just, a, it's just my opinion. Yeah. But it would, it would absolutely do that. But move to the next point, don't tell me it would create more opportunities for young players. That's garbage. Well, that's what uh, Kevin Musket, Graham Arnold, Paul Ocon, John Luisi, and Warren Joyce all said about extra teams in the well, A League. They're all wrong because how many young players played at Gold Coast United in the first year? They all played in the end, in the last year. Exactly. How many young players played for North Queensland Fury in the first year? Yeah. Not many. How many played for for Melbourne Heart? They just I fight. can think of Ellie Bavale. That's it. So that's three expansion teams. Oh, well, how many played for West Sydney Wanderers? Not many. They were all four of those teams basically recycled and cherry picked from other clubs. If the A League, I can't was, think yeah. of too many young players who played, and also I can't think of too many who got a chance at their existing clubs because other players moved on either. So I think that's an absolute red herring to it's me. It's the same, the same recycled, you know, yeah, 20, recycled. you know, 25 plus players, you know, and whatnot. And if you've been, like I said, and you're even only just now starting to see, you know, MPL players starting to yeah. make their mark. You know, Orion Kiddo comes to yeah. mind straight away, but you know, who played MPL now starting to make their, they're not, they're not getting opportunities. No. And I don't, like and I said. And they won't, because if you're a new team coming in, are you going to go pick a whole bunch of young players? I don't think so, because... You will automatically be compared to West Sydney Wanderers. Well, why can't you do what they did? But they that, made the grand final the first year. Why can't you do what they did? But That's what people that criticise them for. On that point, though, you do have, I suppose, more. I suppose just more spots on the playing roster. And yes, there yes. will be imports brought in. Also, players brought back from overseas. Yes. So. I don't think it would increase it by that much. I, no, it probably wouldn't be the monumental shift that a lot of people no. might be hoping for, but it would lead, I would say, to a handful of opportunities, which is still more than what Second they're getting division now. with a loan system would be a better idea, but that's yeah. light years away. Yep. Well, it might be, if you, if you read the news reports, it might be soon, think, yeah. but it, well, it being used properly, that yeah. might be light years away. And also, I suppose the other question is, if, say, one of these NPL clubs are, do get the successful thing, like, say, Brisbane yeah. City, or... 
who else is bidding? Strikers. Strikers, yeah. Um, you get one of them. They're probably going to want to bring a couple of their players up with them. Yeah, of course they would. So it's not a, so that might be the way to do it, rather than saying, mm. right, we're going to start this team off from scratch out in Benelong or whatever. Yeah. Instead, you know, we're getting an existing club with a fan base that has growth potential and a playing roster that, you know, they can at least... But, his, but it, the counter to that point is you look at the Premier League and those teams that get promoted from the championship, you would think that the, the instinct was to give all the majority they of those guys... They all come guys, up say they're going to do that and then they, yeah, they never come, do. Yep, because when, when, they get in, when they're in trouble, and this is obviously... You now, if they're going to be, be pro-relegation mm-hmm. and it's all about survival, I guarantee you those players that got you from the second division up to... the the, the top division are not going to be there because they're going to get yeah. desperate. If, they can't, if they can't get the results, they're yeah. going to be gone. Speaking of a relegation fight, Adam, like you'd also bring in a manager that would have experience staving off relegation. I know, you? I know a guy <laughs> that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, that kind of comes mm. back to what the next point yep. we were going to talk about was, which was youth development, saying you need tougher results oriented orientated junior leagues, mm-hmm. an education campaign disbanding the NYL. That's a Tony Sage special, I believe. It's also an early America idea, apparently. Yep. This is a my idea. Uh, uh, A-League, <laughs> A-League expansion, second division. Hang on. And, yeah. Your, your idea is to replace it with something else. I don't think Tony Sage or any America <laughs> yeah. intend on replacing it with anything because no. they're both knuckleheads and think that just... <laughs> They don't need youth. It's ridiculous. But anyway, why would you get rid of the only structured youth development league in the in the country? I would Full like professional to see, clubs. I would like to see some sort of reserves yep. league. Yeah. Like, don't yep. scrap the youth league, but turn it into turn a reserves, reserves league. league. Absolutely. Where you expand the A league squads from what is it, twenty three now to say thirty two. No, you don't really need to do that. 30, either. 30, no, hear me out. Thirty two, yeah. thirty three, but you've got to have say another te- like ten of your players contracted to have to be like what the I still think that's going to lead to too much way too much recycling I know I'm just I'm just spitballing here because I'm Mm. on a roll at the moment and just dying off look I I, I agree based on the fact that it's got to be better than the current system because the current MYL system I believe is broken I think this whole conference system is ridiculous which is designed in my this is just my opinion but I feel like it's just designed to save Sydney clubs money on travel oh it's designed to save FFA money because I think they, yeah. they fund well, it. the FFA are a Sydney club. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, look, and I, and I think along the same lines is that you know you need a you need a second not well I can't call it second division because you know we're, yeah. we're talking about a but a reserves grade yeah. just below that we but you don't have yeah. but you got to make you can't sure just have an A league club then have nobody else below that mm, in your club that's you, absolutely ridiculous. You know what you could I'm just again spitballing mm-hmm. here you know what you could almost do if you don't have enough for say like you say the A-League goes 14 teams you could very easily have an option of uh, what's the best way to phrase this so you could have like almost combined second yeah. division teams so you could have like I don't know Brisbane and Central or Brisbane and someone combining for a team so all of their reserves play there so you've got well you just loan out your players to them yeah yeah, yeah. But basically, that's, this is all a long-term solution. They're a very, very quick short-term solution. I'm glad it's all being talked about this week. But how about coaches to show some faith in young players? Stop recycling mediocre talent around the league. Why we'll go get for to the it. easiest answer? No, we'll get to it later <laughs> on about the players who are off contract. You look through the list. There's a lot of mediocre players there at all clubs. I guarantee you the vast majority of them will be recycled either at their own club or somewhere else instead yep. of a young player getting a chance. And that's a good example is Nathaniel Atkinson down at Melbourne City. He got his chance because Manny Mustard was suspended, played really well. 
does he keep that spot? Mm. Or does Manny Musket come back in because he's got experience and know-how? He's got the game. And as a senior player. <laughs> That's true. It's interesting. It's just, I think, a f- yeah. more about no, a fundamental change in terms of coach's mentality the, as opposed to anything else. The one thing that I'm very interested about is tougher results-orientated junior leagues. Now... I'd agree with that. The yeah. youth league's not that competitive. I don't disagree with that. And I rem- no, I'm, t- I'm thinking actually go younger, like right. down to teenage years and whatnot, yeah. where... Well, this is where Tony Popfish was saying yeah. about they don't play for points. Yeah. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And look, I'm not going to go as far as say like the under eight leagues, my nieces and nephews play in where they mm-hmm. quote unquote don't keep score, but every kid coming off the yeah. field knows what the score is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if not, so every parent does. I can tell you also, there's a good friend of mine is doing coaching for Peninsula Power next year in the SAP program under 12s. Yeah. Don't play for points. This is yeah. like the the elite under twelves in the NPL in Queensland. Yeah. No points. Yeah. What's I mean? They this, all know this, at that this, age. They all know if they've won or lost anyway, and they all know mad. what the table is roughly in their mind anyway. Yeah. They why not have a final series? It, it is. It is, poli- it is political correctness gone mad, and it's a darn shame that's starting to creep into our sport. You know, and, and you see even even like you, and this is not just a, a football thing. You're seeing it in cricket now, where you know they've got restrictions like you know that's on right, batting, yeah. and bowling and and you know. Bath not getting out and whatnot. What utter rot. What utter rot. Because you know, at the end of the day, you produce a generation of players that don't know how to win well or how to understand how to lose. The value and of the winning. The value of winning and losing. That's what I, I'm trying to say. And I would go back to the Michael Jordan example. Hmm. You know what taught him a lot? Is the fact that he got hmm. cut from his team because he wasn't good enough. Yeah. And he came back, worked at it, and turned out to be an all right basketball player. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's all right. But <laughs> Poor man's LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but anyway. <laughs> oh, come on, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so we've got one other story that we really need to get to, which is players off contract because mm-hmm. free agency's starting up soon. Yes, it started on December 1st. Clubs, oh, okay. Players, so it started up 14 yeah, days Clubs ago. can approach players as of December 1st. All you have to do is send a letter to the club. Apparently, we are going to speak to so-and-so about a contract. And from what I can understand, basically every club sends letters to every other club saying, we're going to speak to all your players just to deflect. So, yep. so, so, so if you're, you're really interested in a player in the Central Coast, you're going to send a letter to players in Perth, Sydney and Wellington as well just to deflect. Yep. Now... This actually did sort of come up last week because yep. there were reports that the Wanderers were approaching a few of the Sydney players, yep. which, boy, that worked out well for them. <laughs> so with the Raw, we've got an unofficial list, which you might post on our Facebook page yep. as well. Yep. This is purely to the best of Scott's knowledge. Yeah, it's he, based on... He did all the hard work. Yeah, yeah. It's based on publicly available announcements of player contracts. So uh, quite literally, all of the Raw squad are off contract either this year or next, with most of them off contract at the end of this yeah. year. Basically, when, the only players under contract for next year at the moment, as we understand it, are Brady, the Christensen, Devere, Bociak, and Daningham, along with the two scholarship boys, Baffert and Barnett. So, 20, 21 players, I think we can, are mm. off contract next yeah, year. And there's some conjecture whether Coletti and Papadopoulos have deals or not, based on whose reports you believe, but I can't find anything that I've, says they are under contract for next year. I feel year, like so. I remember uh, there were... There was talk that uh, Coletti was re-signing for a further two years. So I that, might do more research yeah. on that when I get home, but I can't find anything that confirms it either way. Yeah. So. Yep. But this is one thing as well, and I've been noticing very quickly, obviously, and it's that sort of time of year where anything that's slightly askew as far as news goes, like free agency mm-hmm. with between one raw players yeah. of contract, here come the naysayers saying, "Oh, it's you know, it's Jonah Wilson and Craig Moore's fault." If when you actually when when we actually post this, actually have a look at the other clubs as well because 
I think there's at least two thirds of the league it's yeah, out of contract. Sixty two point three percent, I think the, yeah. the figure comes in of players. So it's not just a raw thing. It is league yeah. wide. The other thing is, I so, wish so cut it out. No, the raw can do no right according to some of their. Yeah, no, exactly right. Yeah, they but win the title. Yeah, yeah Perth have twenty players off yeah. contract and they're gold. Just a quick rant. I wish clubs would be forced to announce how long a player is contracted for. Yeah, not and then because the they're on December first, all of a sudden everyone knows exactly who is out of contract, and it creates discussion. It creates media interest. And you All of a sudden, you've got more stories about the game out there. Just, oh, I don't understand that. Most clubs are pretty good at announcing how long a player's contracted for. But, There's a couple of examples of clubs who aren't. I won't name them. But looking at like this list, there's at it's least... It's not Brisbane, by the way. Brisbane's quite good at it. Yeah. <laughs> looking at this list, there is at least one player from every club that I would look at and say, mm-hmm. you know, if the Raw signed them, I'd be pretty happy Do you want to go that. through each, each club or...? Uh, yeah, right. This can be a long episode. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so I would say from Adelaide, yep. I would, well, Ryan Kiddo would be one. Yeah, it really does depend on, again, who leaves and what you're looking for, but Kiddo could be a good squad player. Uh, Central Coast, who did I have there? Uh, was it, well, I'd love to have Kai Rolls back. Okay. Uh, and the big one for me, Melbourne City, Ruin Tongi. I've got a, with there's a few players at Melbourne City that I looked at and thought they could be really helpful. Ruan Tongik is one. I thought um, Bruce Kamau as a right winger in the front third, a bit of pace. In that sort yep. of Brandon Borello mould? And the other one is I just, I'm just a big, big Luke Bratton fan. Yep. They're the three from Melbourne City. I looked and thought, gee, I'd love to get those guys here, but probably not going to happen. Uh, how would you take uh, Bessart Barisha back from victory? No, thanks. <laughs> just based on his form this year, it's... It seems like he's peaked and is on the way down. And Devante Clute from Newcastle. So just on victory, there's also conjecture about James Donachie, whether he is or isn't contracted. If he's not, I think centre-back's a position we could use a, a more useful central defender. That'd be a good option as well. Yeah. Anyway, this is kind of just falling off yeah. me as a segment. So let's talk about the raw players. Okay. Um, so the big thing for me would be that it looks like it's going to be another season of transition yeah. if a lot of these players don't... Uh, yeah. Well, there's a lot of guys here who probably may not be returning because obviously... There was a story, yep. I just want to touch on this quickly, that Brett Holman has been told he's not part of the plan. Yeah, that's which, according mm. to an agent on Twitter oh, okay, who has so, so. a decent record but isn't always 100% So I really accurate. shouldn't have said that. It's Well, it's out there on social media, so... Yeah, Whether it's true or not... We can't ignore it, but uh, believe the source at your own peril, yeah. basically. They've been wrong before. Oh, okay, they've fair been enough. really wrong before. Mm. So, looking forward to having you next year, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, like... I think look, Macaroni was brought in as a one-season solution, yes. basically. And I think there's a few others who were probably similar. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a bit of turnover this year. Yeah. The concerning thing is there's a lot of players you would probably say you want to build the side around are out of contract. Guys like Corey Brown, D'Agostino... Maybe a Corey Gamero. These guys are out of contact as well. But so is Jamie Young. That could be like yeah. a spine of a side you're looking to build around. But that being said, I feel like there is still... Yeah, oh, there's, there's a good chance they'll sign all four of those players. Yeah, but. there's a lot of time to go yeah. and you kind of almost have to think that... Like, best case scenario, there's a plan here. Yeah. And it could be a case of this was the year they just said, look, we just need to get this year over and done yeah. with. Like, we're going to give ourselves the best chance to win with yeah. these players, but not hamstring us for the long yeah. term. Because you could, you, that's the thing is, and that and that's and that's probably reflective of probably that's probably the game plan yeah. that you know Craig Moore and and the football department in general at Brisbane yeah. Raw are probably thinking. It's because you could you imagine the outcry if there were guys like Faye Benka Fella two years, Massimo mm. Macaroni 
two years. You know, if to think that, oh, geez, we're stuck with these older players, and that's no reflection on how they played or not, yeah. just purely on well, paper. It's a, it's a global trend now, basically. Yeah. I think Arsenal started it, James, with players over 30, one-year one year deals. deals. One-year yeah. deals yeah. just keep them rolling along. Although now, you are starting to see players over 30. Like, 30 isn't that cliff no. year that, what was it? Mm. Might be 40 in the NFL. Yeah. Hope not. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, there's a lot to unfold yeah. now, but... We'll definitely share this list out there probably tonight, maybe tomorrow, and I've written something up for it for our website as well. So Sounds good. Detailing it, but it is a... It's an extensive list of players. Yeah. All right. So once again, we've had a very long segment three. My attention span is starting to go. Yeah. So what do you say we take a break and come back and talk about the victory? Do we have to talk about Melbourne victory? Okay, we can talk about the Roar instead. Okay, cool. All right. This is Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. I think that might have been the first time I had the consistent DFS introduction for all four segments. So it only took 50 episodes as well. I know. Who would have thought? The half uh, century... By 100, we will get this down right down pat. <laughs> I doubt I would it. also bet the under on that too. Well, let's start off with the plugs. Hang Scott? on. Hang on. Oh. Hang on I'll, do, I'll do it this week because I should write a nail. <laughs> so for a happy 50th episode... Uh, <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, <laughs> anyway I'm just listening to these two face and thinking, oh my god, what's happened? Uh, anyway, uh, on Facebook, The Raw Review. Uh, on Twitter, at Raw Review. Our podcast is on Wooshka and iTunes, the iTunes. Uh, our email is BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. And fan cams this Sunday night on the plaza, on Northern Plaza. I'm glad Come you wrote them down. I didn't even write them down this week. <laughs> See, I need to write them down because yeah. I. And there'll be another 50 episodes before I do it again, because I don't think I'll be allowed <laughs> That's not true. I might be away for an episode during the season. You never know. <laughs> anyway. We'll yes. quiz him at random times between now and 100 episodes, I reckon. If we're struggling for fan camp Sunday night, I'll just ask him, Adam, what are the plugs? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, this Sunday, Roar against Victory, 6pm at Suncorp Stadium. All-time records, uh, 114, drawn 8, lost 8, at Suncorp, 110, drawn 3, lost 7. Mm-hmm. So, pretty good, I'd say. Yeah. About 50% win rate. Which, yeah, it's pretty good. I'm sorry, I'm still shaking from Adam, actually. Adam, yeah, the plug's know, ready. completely just like, oh, the whole segment. Hit him for six. Love it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so this season, 5-1 in the FFA Cup at Perry Park, yep. which obviously wasn't ideal. Round six, 1-1 draw down at Eddie Had with what was a very interesting raw lineup that day. Yeah, that was the game when Ben Calfalo went down in the warm-up. Yeah. Uh Bottom line for me, victory are vulnerable, but still very, very dangerous. They really? still, they, oh yeah. See, I still feel like they have the players. I was that, say, my bottom line is this is two maddeningly inconsistent teams. Mm, this, this, this could be, this could be anything. This yeah. game, so there's a, but that's where that struggles inconsistency ball. comes yeah. in. This, if either team hits form here, they could hit the other one for four or five, or it could turn out to be another one or draw. It yeah. could be literally anything. The way, and you won't know until ten minutes into the game how, how they turn up. Uh, so, as we know for the Raw, Bortiak's out. North and Christensen might be a chance. Really? Attack is real. I thought that Donald said in a press conference on Saturday that only Ben Calfala was going to be available. Okay. I, guys who were out. I feel like I remember something on Friday morning about that, but that could be me yeah. being, you know, old and senile. You no. said it. Oh, we'll, 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 find out, we'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I th- do think Ben Calfala will come straight back in for Bortiak, though. Yeah. Like that's uh, That change is going to happen. 
Yeah, well, they put uh, Ben Kalfeller out for yeah. the media this morning, so yeah. you would assume that barring any late sort of hiccups, yeah. he's going to be available. If, to play. if you're not going to bring Gamero or Skipetis on on the left early in the first half, he's not going to start them out there, and I don't think the Mackay experiment worked well enough to go with that. No. So I think Ben Kalfeller is the logical option. Well, so the question is, would you go which three of Mackay, Coletti, and Oxbow would you go in midfield? First two. Yeah. Which was. Kaledi Mackay. There we go, yeah. I was just wondering, because like, Kaledi seems to be getting withdrawn quite a lot yeah. up in games at the moment, so do you even consider giving him a rest and bringing him on as an impact player off the bench? You could, but I think you need a win here. I've been saying for a while they have to start winning games and you have to play your best players. Kaledi is a better player than Oxborough. He starts. I'd almost think that that would be, you know, a sort of a selection of intent that if you pick Kali, it means that, you know, what you're going for a win because Oxborough would be a more defensive um, yeah. sort of, you know, start playing. That would mean to say that, you know what, maybe they're happy with a draw, you know, or a limitation, you know, and that's at home, that's not what you want. You want to be going for it because this should be, even, you know, with, you know, inconsistent form, this should be a game that Raw can win. Well, one of the questions I actually had down here is do you go 4 4 2? But. Truthfully, I reckon he's going to start Gamero. Yeah, though. like just listening back to yeah. the press conference from Saturday after the game, you probably don't have ninety minutes for Gamero, yeah. and you don't really want to waste that bullet. If certainly, well, yeah. he's building up. He'd probably get maybe fifty minutes this week. Bring him on early in the second half. Yeah, keep building him up. But I, yeah, I'd definitely bring him involved because he had a huge impact on Saturday. Fair enough, Adam. What do you think? Oh, uh, look, I, I think. It, I think, yeah, selection's going to be all important. Um, I'd be interested to see whether, you know, French, you know, whether he starts a place on the bench because with Ben Calfala coming back in, that obviously in that, that, right, that yeah. right wing, or the thing we do know about um, Ben Calfala is that he can also play left side, yeah. which maybe will he uh, come in as a straight swap for for Bortiak. So it's, yeah, look, it's interesting. I think selection's going to be all important. I think that will start with, you know, knowing who's in the squad tomorrow. Yeah, we'll find that out before too long. The other thing that I actually just remembered, and the reason that the Roy had to play the Gold Coast last week, Sir Paul McCartney. What do you think? Oh, right. What sort of impact do you think he's going to have on the game? Has anyone seen a photo of it this week? Not yet. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm dreading seeing it. I'm waiting, dreading for it to look like a like a golf tee like last year. I just hope it's a fair way down the middle on the rough down the sides again. I'm just hoping it's not, it doesn't look like anything like Amy Park did. What, well, Sunday. I didn't even see the game on Sunday. How bad was it? Not good. Not good. Okay. Yeah, as, yeah. A, as people now saying Amy and Park. And, and Sir Paul had visited yeah. Amy Park before that. Okay. So that's. Uh, I will say, does that now mean that now people can start saying Amy Park shouldn't host soccer his games because it dished up a terrible field for a football No, because it's Melbourne. My mistake. There we go. All right, so what else was I going to say? I'm not sure what else you could say about this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, yeah, please come down to fan camps yeah. after yep. full time. I think usually try and be out there as close to the end of the game as possible. Ideally, if the Roar are up by two or more goals, I'm there when the final whistle blows. But that's yeah. the way to do it. All right, I think I've stalled enough. Let's get into the predictions. And just while I stall for a second... I'm just, I was just going to say on fan camps as well, Like I'm, I'm not sure what our audience is outside of Brisbane, but there's victory fans out there. Please come down as well. We'd like yeah. to speak to you as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. the I'm sure the For Vuk's Sake guys down in Melbourne would be listening, or at least Daily Football Show, so we'd yeah. love to actually get a bit of a... Yeah, yeah. it's not, like well, I said, yeah. the fan camp's not just a Brisbane perspective. We yeah. invite all 
all sides. So even if, if you're not a football fan and just been dragged to the game, please come along. Yeah, more so. <laughs> Well, they're some of our best interviews. <laughs> All right, so Friday night, Sydney FC, Melbourne City in the light blue derby. Oh, the city's going all right, but the way yeah. Sydney's going here and at home, I mean, I, only one winner for me. Sydney are going to force choke the life out of this game like yeah. Darth Vader. Mm. There Sydney. you go. There's uh, one reference for the week. And hey. we should talk about it very, very quickly. What do you think of Star Wars round in general? Uh, I didn't mind it. Like, yeah. It wasn't too invasive. It wasn't over the top. I mean, look, for what they... What it was. Don't forget, it's Spanish round this week too. That's oh. the Fox Sports initiative, though. I know, Sorry, but just we can still blame the FFA for it because that's just a cool thing to do yeah. that'll <laughs> follow the path of all the cool kids. But yeah, Star Wars round, I didn't mind it. A bit uh, of fun. The, the whole put insane names in the in the team. Sh- in the that's the only thing I didn't like about so it. So stupid, but other than yeah, that, yeah, that's you. definitely not something I'm doing for the Ashes tomorrow at work. <clears throat> oh, okay. <Ooh. clears throat> Yeah, so thanks Check for spoiling that idea, guys. To be fair, now they're probably better on the English team anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. yeah. Star Wars round, I didn't yeah. mind. Like it was fine. And look, considering what the NBA did today to launch a whole bunch of new merchandise, that Stormtroopers going up and doing a huge promo thing for okay. all new Star Wars branded yeah. merchandise. That is one thing I actually yeah. would have liked to have seen, although I feel like that probably might have been a step too far for Disney. No, I did uh, think it wasn't... It was fine the way they did it. I mean, they had the characters there, and yeah. Yeah, it was fine. And I did feel a little bit for Hinksy having to give the uh, quiz at halftime <laughs> and having to go to the kids' Yeah. <laughs> Were you sitting in the cursing I know the answers for these questions? Yeah, I was usually going... I might have said some expletives around and be going, how hard is it? Oh. So I didn't even know the answer to the kids' <laughs> question, so... Anyway. So, yeah. Uh, then we've got triple header Saturday. Newcastle Jets, Adelaide United. Jets, I this think, are going good, to run away with this. It's going to be a good game, though, because Adelaide's in decent form as well. Central it's Co- going to be a really fun game. Central Coast over Western Sydney in the next one. Feature game on one. Jeez. The Wanderers have to respond, don't they? Yeah, but... but I, you, I would say the Mariners, Mariners. are the favourites to win the game, but... If you're the Wanderers and Joseph Gombau, you want a response. For me, this is a Danny De Silva and Andrew Hill showcase game. <laughs> and then finally, Perth against Wellington or Bed. Bed. Uh, <laughs> bed or... Perth what, what's, what's the Premier League game on? Uh, what's, what is the early game? I think it's Leicester. What's That's a Premier League? <laughs> what's a Premier League? Uh, you Come might on. remember it as a thing that got you into the Europa League a few years ago. Oh, right. Thank you. Crunch. Europa League. Shout out Europa. to all the Euro snobs. I can't remember that. Anyway, I think Perth will win this game by at least three goals. Uh, the at home, they're very strong, and Wellington, we saw last week, weren't much good. So. Yeah. Leicester and Crystal Palace at uh, 10 30 oh, Brisbane time. Oh, jeez. What a choice. So, I'll bed? go with Perth and yeah, Wellington bed. compared to that. All right. And then finally, the big game, which will be Brisbane against Melbourne victory. We're on a four week. Incorrect tips run. So it's going to become five. What's your tip, Scott? Uh, one all. One one. Adam, what are you taking? I'm going to go Brisbane two one. It's a hail mary at best. <laughs> I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow your lead two one. So that if we're wrong, we're going down together. And and by the way, in the in disclosure, I went over five last week in the Fox Sports tipping. So yeah, follow me. Yeah, maybe maybe next week we should actually talk about how our fantasy uh, A League and prediction leagues oh, are going. Not. I, why not? I will say I think I've got one right this year in the tipping, so definitely don't go with that. All right, we'll remember that. Yeah. 
All right, so that's going to be it for episode 50 of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Scott, yeah, Adam. Good to see you again, James, Thanks, Adam. Scott, James, and our listeners. Yes, uh, we've had quite a lot of fun. Stay tuned for a whole lot more coming up. Let's see if we can get to the full century. What do you say? I'm betting sure. the under. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, so is everyone else. Yeah. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening. It's been the Brisbane Football Review. We'll speak to you all next week.